I don't think I uh, could have ever anticipated how much I am loving this season that I'm in with my wife and uh, our four girls. If, if you're newer around Southridge, maybe you don't know, um, I have four girls and they, for a period of time, came pretty fast and furious. We, we had um, four girls in about four years. And I remember when they were like super little, everything was so chaotic, right? Before when, when none of them were in school and it was like super chaotic. And everybody used to talk to us about seasons that were coming, right? They would say, well, you know, just wait till they're all teenagers. Or, you know, wait till they're all, you know, uh, in university, if that's what they choose to do. They all want tuition money. Or wait until, if they all get married, you know, they're probably all going to get married at the same time. And people were always forecasting these, these seasons that were coming and saying, you know, if you think now is, you know, a bit out of control, you just, you just wait. But nobody ever talked about this season that we're in, which is like living the dream with my kids. My, my youngest one is eight. And so she's old enough now to be kind of independent and she doesn't really need a lot of the things that she needed from us when she was little. But my oldest one is still only 12. And so not yet a teenager. She doesn't hate my guts and yell and slam doors and stuff. And so like all of our, all of our kids fit into this beautiful window where we just love kind of being a family together. And we've, we've, we're investing this entire season, this window of time in, it feels like, teaching the kids like the basic skills of being responsible human beings. This feels like what this whole season of time is for before we get into teenage fights and stuff. The, the kids are learning how to cook and how to bake, to make their own lunches for school. The kids are learning how to do laundry and how to clean. The, the kids are, you know, learning how to, uh, you know, do bathrooms because I'm sick of doing bathrooms now. So they're learning that. They're learning how to sew and fix their own clothes and even make clothes. And um, they're learning how to make money and manage their money and spend their money wisely. But Probably in this season of teaching my kids life skills, the thing that we talk about most by far is probably the most important life skill there is. And it's the life skill of how to do relationships. Friendship. Probably 80 or 85% of our conversation is about how to do friendship well. How to worry about your, the impact your words are having rather than just thinking about your intent. Uh, think about how to value togetherness, to choose to be with your friends, even though you don't love the activity that they're getting together to do. How to reconcile conflict. How to be considerate of somebody else's story and their situation and why they're reacting the way they are. We have all of these conversations about how to do friendship well. And on one level, it's completely terrifying because at the end of the day, I know that the person who's most responsible to teach these kids how to do friendship well is me. At least half of the people is me. And I don't do friendship very well myself. 
They're, they're counting on me to teach them how to relate well in healthy and positive ways to other people. And that's one of my primary struggles in life as well. And I suspect that I'm not alone in that, not just in being fearful for how I'm ruining my kids, but in acknowledging that um, while relationships, while friendship is one of the most important life skills, it's one of the most important aspects, probably the most important aspect of life, the, the thing that matters more than everything else. And yet I would imagine that most of us would look at our friendship circles, look at the way we do friendship and say, I'm not sure I'm doing that and experiencing that as well as I possibly could. And honestly, that's why we've decided to take this entire month and talk about friendship matters, the matters that matter when it comes to friendship. And so I figured we would start this morning in starting the conversation just by defining what it is that we mean by friendship. Because there's a part of me that suspects that many of the relationships that we actually experience and invest most of our time in, that even though we call them friendships, they may not actually be friendship the way we would really want to experience friendship. Um, Aristotle, the philosopher, said that there's essentially three kinds of friendships that we experience in life. The first one he called a friendship of utility. It's kind of a partnership. It's the sort of friendship that you get into because the other person has something that you need and you have something the other person needs and your relationship becomes this mutual commitment to exchange the things that you need from each other, to be partners together, right? Like business partners or study partners or I need you and you need me and that's what it is that binds us together. He said the second kind of relationship that we often call friendship are called friendships of pleasure. The relationships that we get involved in just because the other person is so much fun. They just, they make us laugh. We love doing things together. We share all the same interests and we just have a blast when we're together. But, but Aristotle says that neither one of those relationships actually qualifies as a genuine friendship. Because at the end of the day, the bottom line in both of those relationships is that I'm in the relationship for what I can get out of the relationship. I'm in it for me. That I'm in a relationship for utility because you have something I need. I'm in a relationship for pleasure because you make me laugh. And the second you no longer have what I need and the second you no longer make me laugh is the very second that our friendship is over. Aristotle says there's a third kind and it's the only real kind of genuine friendship. And it's the relationships that we get in precisely because we cherish the other person just because of who they are. Not for what we can get out of them, just because of the person that we are. He calls those friendships either genuine friendships or, or kind of soulmate friendships. He says those kinds of friendships are like when one soul walks around in two different bodies. That's what friendship is. And I think a lot of us, or a lot of what we call friendship, falls short of that ideal of just desiring to give to the other person just because of who they are. I think a lot of our friendships ended up in 
those other two categories, which those are fine kinds of relationships to have. Friendships of utility and pleasure. In fact, those relationships are often stepping stones to genuine friendship. But I think if you're anything like me anyway, a lot of our relationships get stuck along the way and they never actually graduate past that, those sorts of utility and pleasure kinds of relationships. Um, I saw a study in a little while ago and it was a gendered study, but I don't think the stats necessarily need to be gendered. But it said on average, men experience relationships that are friendships of activity so playing sports and watching TV together, or friendships of convenience, exchanging favors with each other, or friendships of mentorship, which are not equal. One person is investing in, in the other. None of those are really genuine friendship. On the other hand, it said women, on average, tend to experience relationships that are more emotional in nature. They're, they're about sharing feelings and sharing experiences and verbalizing the stuff that's going on inside of you. And it can feel a lot more like that soulmate-ish kind of friendship, but it isn't necessarily. Talking is certainly a way, the way, probably, to get to a soulmate kind of friendship, but a lot of talking can be done because I need you to listen. Because I need a venue where I can speak, where I enjoy telling you what's going on inside of me and I enjoy hearing what's going on inside of you and it actually turns out to be utility and pleasure. It turns out to be a relationship where, that I'm in because of what I get out of it. If I were to guess, I would say, I'm not the only one who struggles with the idea that I'm not experiencing everything out of my friendships that I would in the ideal. There's probably lots of reasons for that, I would say. There's, there's I think, personal reasons why we don't experience the most out of our friendships. Some of us are, you know, just like emotional reasons. Some of us are just shy. And we're nervous about putting ourselves out there. Or, you know, in an extreme case, some of us are actually struggle with anxiety and we feel paralyzed to put ourselves out there. Um, or, um, you know, for some of us, we have sort of unresolved uh, hurts or fear of vulnerability or we have a hard time trusting people because of things we've experienced and it kind of puts up a barrier. Or we could have, you know, personality reasons why it's hard to genuinely give myself over to friendship, you know, just sheer introversion. This is a great set for a conversation about friendship in particular because this is how I spend many, many, many of my nights sitting alone on a couch uh, with my book. I, just some of us like to be alone and we allow that to become overdone and we end up alone. There are personality reasons like just knowing that we have personality traits that can put people off. If you, people are too talkative or too quiet, it can put people off. If people are too negative or too positive, it can, it can put people to become a barrier to experience friendship. I think for some of us, there are circumstantial things that make it hard. Um, some things beyond our control. You're a single parent. Who has time for friendship when you're running around with your kids? Or... Your work hours, 
long hours, night hours, shift work, um, things that make it hard to make plans. Um, things like location. Some people just live in a space where it's logistically difficult to be together with people. But I think there are some circumstantial things that are within our control. You know, your reachability. I don't own a smartphone. I, I've made that as a conscious decision and I think it costs me friendship because 90% of the time I'm not accessible. You have to leave a message or send an email. And I think that changes the way people can relate to me. Some of us have, and this is how I justify it still, some of us have smartphones and we just never respond to our texts or, or our messages. And after a while, people stop calling. Or just sheer busyness. We've filled up our calendar with things that have made it impossible to make time to prioritize friendship. I, we struggle, I would say, we struggle forming genuine friendships for lots of reasons. And here's, here's the problem with that. It's really bad for us. In um, Genesis chapter 2, in verse 18, it says this. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. I think when the passage says that, it's not just saying it's less than ideal for people to be alone, though that is true. I think it's actually saying it's bad for us to experience loneliness, to not experience a full life of friendship. There's a, there's a former uh, U.S. Uh, Surgeon General who said that loneliness is now a health epidemic on par with obesity and smoking 15 cigarettes a day. In fact, in Great Britain, uh, Theresa May, the Prime Minister, has appointed a Minister of Loneliness to deal with the health epidemic. There was a study done in 2015 that says that people who self-identify as lonely are actually at a 26% higher risk of dying early. Heart attack, stroke, cancer, eating disorders, sleeping disorders, you know, psychological disorders, you name it. All the research suggests precipitated by loneliness. Probably, they say three reasons. Probably because when you're alone, you slip behaviorally into worse habits than if you have people around you supporting you. If, Probably because biologically it's stressful to be lonely and that affects things like sleep cycles and eat cycles and all those are harmful to the body. Psychologically, there's a reason why solitary confinement is usually cruel and unusual punishment uh, because human beings were not built to be alone. It's actually not good for us to not have robust relationship lives, friendship lives. Uh, the Bible says, actually, that the opposite is also true. In, in Ecclesiastes 4, the Bible sort of presents the opposite case, that being deeply embedded in a, in a healthy friendship circle is actually good for us. It's a, it's a survival kit for life. In Ecclesiastes 4, starting verse 9, it says this, two are better than one because they have a better return for their labor. It says, you're you have a greater chance at experiencing success in life 
If you're doing life in the company of people that you love and trust and who are working alongside of you, your life will go better than it would on your own. The next verse says, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Human resilience is uh, deeply embedded in our friendship neighborhood or, or networks. You know, the old song says you, you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, and you start all over again. The Bible says that's actually not how it works. That is not how human resilient function, resilience functions. We pick each other up and we dust each other off. And then we all start all over again. That's how you keep going in life. In verse 11, it says, also if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can anyone keep warm alone? The picture is not of a, a couple lying together at night. It's, it's literally, the picture is two friends in the ancient world um, traveling through the desert at night when temperatures drop precipitously and they don't have enough clothing and they don't have enough blankets to keep themselves warm. And so they, they huddle together, they cuddle together in the darkness of the night to fend off the cold. It was almost a, a proverb in the ancient world, the cliche that people would say, the sign of a genuine friendship are two people who will lie down together at night. Because just think about the image that that provides of support. The vulnerability of moving into that sort of space of intimacy, of, of closeness with another person so that you can feed them with your body heat and they can feed you with their heat. And between the two of you, you carry each other through with that kind of support. Finally, in verse 12, it says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. There's safety in friendship. In knowing that you've got somebody in your corner, in knowing that you've somebody who's got your back, in knowing that somebody is going to stand up for you and fight for you when you can't fight for yourself. The Proverbs say that even beyond just the sheer health benefits, friendship, genuine friendship, is a survival toolkit for life in a world that can be really hard. That's why we need this series. That's why we need to have these conversations. That's why we need to be better at friendship. In Proverbs chapter 18, it says this. I love this picture about what it looks like to be a friend and to have a friend. It says in verse 24, the one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. That's what we've just been talking about. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It's quite a remarkable statement in the ancient world, and I, I know I've made this comment before in this environment, how the ancient world was a world without a social safety net. There was no emergency services, no police, no fire, no paramedics, no health care. Uh, 
no disability insurance, no uh, retirement, no unemployment insurance. Um, there was literally nothing except your family if anything went wrong, which is why elsewhere in the Bible it says that the person who won't even take care of a member of their family, that's the most despicable form of human life because you're literally all they have. But then the proverbial writer comes along and says this, there's actually a friend. It's possible to have friends who are more valuable, more real, and more intimate than your own family. I don't know if um, any of you saw this over the holidays in the St. Catherine Standard. There was an article called In Praise of Proxy Families. And the gist of the article was that more and more people are actually living outside of their family networks because of distance. They've gone to, left home to go to school or left home because of work or because of singleness, people getting married later or choosing to stay single or being widowed or being divorced. And they find themselves living outside of family circles. And the whole point of the article was the holidays is one of those times where you feel the absence of family, but it's one of those times where you also have the opportunity to indulge in the presence of friendship, of a circle of friends that can actually become a proxy family that the article says can be even better than your real one. The article called it friendtimacy. Experiencing the closeness of family with people that you've chosen as friends. Um, in relationships where you feel seen and validated, where you both feel seen and validated in a way that is safe and satisfying is how they described it. And it's exactly what the book of Proverbs is talking about, saying family matters and it's super important, but it's possible if you make the appropriate investment to experience a kind of friendship that is even better and deeper and more intimate and more valuable than your own family. That's what this series is about. And we all need it. This isn't just for some of us. Um, but we all need to be aware of those around us who need it as well. I did a little bit of reading. Of course, when you think about loneliness, you think about older adults who are, their relationship circles getting smaller and smaller. I did a lot of reading that suggested that age actually doesn't play a factor, that in some places, young adults are actually lonelier than older adults, and in part precipitated by their social media engagement and um, fear of missing out and comparisons and all sorts of dynamics, but that young people can actually be older, lonelier than older adults, that there are particular communities that experience higher degrees of loneliness, people with disability, because of stigma, because of limitations and logistical challenges, experience higher degrees of loneliness. Um, the one thing I read, the, it said the migrant experience, the defining experience of being a migrant or a refugee is loneliness. We need to experience this and we need to share it with each other. So the questions to reflect on this morning 
really boil down to two. What is the nature of your relational circle right now? Who are the people who really feed your soul? Can you name them? Are there names? Um, and how are you doing at living into genuine friendships with these people instead of relationships of utility or pleasure, relationships that are about what you can get out of them? What are the emotional barriers? What are the personality barriers? What are the logistical barriers um, that need to be overcome? And, and really at the bottom line, taking a minute to take some inventory about our relational world, the, the second and more important question is this. What needs to change for us to experience the deeper, richer, more meaningful, healthier way of experiencing the very best of the single most important part about life, which is our relationships. We chatted with a group of men in one of our locations recently who have all kind of been, over the last couple of years, discovering the value of the relationships that they share with each other. So I'd like to, for you to listen to their story and listen to the ways in which they're discovering the value of prioritizing living into these kinds of genuine friendships together. Check this out. 